Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back and Happy New Year to all our listeners for the first episode of FX Talk of 2023. We hope you all had a great Christmas, New Year's and holiday season in general and hopefully all very well rested and in good health and good spirits as we enter into a fresh year. Uh, believe it or not, we're actually entering into the fourth calendar year of FX Talk, having started it shortly after the pandemic began in 2020. Uh, so thank you to all of you for, for sticking with us and for everyone that has listened to the more than 50 episodes we've done now since then. Uh, and as people tend to do at the start of, of a year, it's a good opportunity to look back at the year that was and perhaps look forward to what to expect and what may be on the horizon for the year ahead. In currency markets, 2022 was one of the most hectic and volatile in currencies for some time. Undoubtedly, the most noteworthy move in currencies was a sharp appreciation in the US dollar, which at one stage was trading almost 20% higher against its major peers. It did give up some of these gains towards the end of last year, although still traded higher against every G10 currency and almost all emerging market ones, with only a handful of exceptions. There are two main reasons as to why that was the case. First of all, the Federal Reserve raised rates at a very aggressive pace, hiking rates by 425 basis points, which was more than almost anyone else in the G10. We also saw a deterioration in risk sentiment as sky-high inflation rates caused concerns that recessions could potentially be on the way. In the G10, the best of the rest was the Swiss franc, followed quite far behind by the euro, while most other European currencies generally struggled, including the pound. Among emerging market currencies, most largely outperformed the majors, led by those in Latin America, although of course there were a few exceptions, notably the Ghanaian CD and Turkish Lira, which were the two worst performers of all the currencies that we cover. But what can we expect for this year? Well, the narrative in 2022 surrounded central bank responses to rising inflation rates, Will that remain the case this year, or will some of these central banks begin calling time on their tightening cycles? Uh, And what about the global economy? Are recessions indeed on the way, or will we just see more modest downturns in growth? What do you both think, Enrique and Roman? What are the main themes to look out for in currencies in 2023? No, I think the main theme to look out for is that uh, we likely saw the dollar peak for this cycle last year in 2022. Uh, one of those weeks where the euro drop dipped below parity, got as low as 95 cents. Um, we won't revisit those heights again. Um, like you say, again, we, we, we still continue to see a cycle that is driven by the relative differential in monetary policies of the major central banks. And now it's time for the Federal Reserve to perhaps take its foot off the accelerate the, off the brake. Sorry. <laughs> After the, the massive hiking cycle of 2022, uh, maybe we'll see a couple more hikes at the next uh, two meetings. But uh, 2023, I think, is going to be the year of the European Central Bank catch-up. Uh, it's still uh, the core inflation in the Eurozone, unlike, uh, unlike the U.S., has no, no signs of peaking. 
yet. Uh, Euro rates remain way below the U.S. and way below what I, any reasonable estimate of, of uh, stable rates. It's increasingly clear that European Central Bank officials agree with that vision and are warning that more and um, bigger hikes are on the way. And so I think that everything's set for um, for uh, relative up- outperformance of European currencies. In addition to that, I think that the fears of uh, European recessions, recessions in general, are the fears are very much overblown. Um, so yet another downward surprise in unemployment in Germany today, which is a bit anecdotal, but illustrates the strength of labor markets everywhere. And it's very, very difficult to see significant recessions taking place amidst full employment and interest rates that remain still far, far below levels of uh, inflation. That's my take anyway. I think that this is going to be a relatively difficult year, uh, especially in the first few months, because we are still having to deal with a uh, very high inflation that will probably take years to normalize. Also, because of that, uh, we have high interest rates at this point, and uh, high interest rates are should uh, limit the economic activity. Uh, I am not uh, as negative as uh, some of the market participants um, when it comes to the expectations towards uh, recessions. I think that most countries would be able to uh, actually post a positive uh, economic growth in 2023. Uh, I especially opt- I'm especially optimistic about the uh, situation in Asia, particularly considering the reopening in China. But I also think that in recent weeks we had some positive news uh, from Europe, especially um, with uh, falling gas prices uh, because of the uh, super hot weather. Mm, so uh, I think that this is going to be a difficult year, but perhaps not as bad as uh, many thought uh, in uh, at the turn of autumn and uh, winter. Mm, when it comes to central banks, I think that uh, at least with the emerging market countries, uh, most of those uh, have either uh, finished or will be soon finishing the cycles. When it comes to the main economies, I think that it's uh, largely the same. Maybe, as you, Andrew, mentioned, the European Central Bank uh, will be a, a separate case here and is probably going to hike uh, more, but uh, we have to see uh, how it will react to normalizing uh, prices of gas in Europe. Mm, so I, I, I'm quite optimistic, but maybe about the second half of the year, uh, especially, and uh, I think that we are going to see light at the end of the tunnel uh, then, uh, and uh, I, I'm quite looking forward to uh, 2024 already. <laughs> Okay, so basically, this looks like we have an agreement in substance and a disagreement in timing. Would you say that's fair, Roman? Uh, yeah. You think that this is a, my story is a story not for the first half, but for the second half of 2023. It's That's a reasonable position. Well, yes, I, mean, I, I think I have to agree with you guys when you say you know, this is going to be another quite difficult year to call. I think it's... Um, it, very much so the same as, as, as 2022. I mean, for me, I think probably the most important factor for, for markets now is the extent of downturns that we, we might see in, in global economic activity. I think attention may perhaps start shifting away from in, inflation prints, which was very much the focus of last year, more towards those of, of economic activity and, and of growth. Um, as we mentioned, I mean, so far, data has been holding up relatively well. We, we, we've talked about this for some time on the podcast, you know, the, the PMI is only being in mild contraction. 
you know, no signs of a significant deterioration in, in labor market conditions, for instance. We're not seeing sort of massive layoffs or, or sharp increases in unemployment uh, claims, for instance. Uh, but will that remain the case? I, mean, I, I, I think there are reasons to suggest that it will. You know, supply chains are normalizing, energy crisis, particularly in Europe, not quite as bad as feared. Um, governments continue supporting um, economies with large fiscal support. Um, so, you know, again, Roman, I kind of agree with your thought that recessions may be slightly overblown. I think most economies will hold up better than expected this year, particularly in Europe. Um, but the key, as we've been saying for some time, the key will, will be the persistence of price pressures this year. You know, the central bankers and economists massively underestimated the extent of inflation overshoots in 2022. If they do so again, then we could continue to see additional flights to safety. I also wanted to perhaps um, talk about some additional risks to currencies outside of those that we've just mentioned, that markets are perhaps maybe underestimating or or mispricing, whether that be geopolitical risks, for instance. You know, the war in Ukraine continues to rage on with no end in sight. Could that influence markets again this year? China appears to be moving away from zero COVID. What risk does that pose? Um, some emerging market currencies or emerging market central banks, I should say, again, also beginning to think about potentially cutting interest rates at some point, and, and the list goes on. So, so what are you guys potentially pinpointing as risk to currencies this year outside of those that we've just mentioned, whether that be global or regional ones? Um, I think the main risk to market in general, and in particular, this is uh, also a risk to my generally positive view of European currencies and with the euro is the possibility of a disorderly sell-off in the Eurozone bond market. I mean, it concerns me a little bit that the the uh, not only is the ECB clearly behind the curve in fighting inflation, uh, core inflation is it's, it's still rising. People are focusing on, on this uh, headline inflation numbers that are improving, mostly because of direct intervention in prices by the various governments. But core inflation, which I think is much more persistent and, and, and a reliable indicator of what inflation is going to be, is, is still rising in the Eurozone. Um, and there are some questions as to the sustainability of uh, higher rates for some of these countries. Um, so, you know, given the amount, the degree to which some economies like Spain, Italy, and France have leveraged themselves to very low rates, um, perhaps the biggest tail risk that I see to, to my view, is is that uh, we would have um, a significant sell-off on Euro bo- Eurozone bond markets that would be reminiscent of what we saw in the UK and the list trust. That would be my my the biggest underpriced risk that I see out there. Yes, yeah, so when it comes to underpricing uh, and touching on the central banks, I actually think that the market pricing for that is much more in line with reality than what we had in the previous year. Uh, when the market was constantly playing catch up with the uh, super aggressive central banks. Mm, I think that uh, perhaps uh, in some uh, economies, market might be overestimating uh, the possibility uh, of interest rate cuts in 2023. Uh, and I think that those uh, tight labor markets uh, probably mean that we are going to be left uh, for a longer period of time with a, a very high interest rates. So this is perhaps one of the factors that I would consider to be an uh, underpricing or a mispricing in markets. 
but when it comes to risks, uh, definitely one one thing that is on top of my mind is a weather. Uh, we had we just had the New Year in Poland, and we had I, I believe it was a record temperature, uh, or uh, at least it it has been eighteen degrees. It's uh, absurd to have such temperature at the beginning of the year. I remember that last year we had quite a few natural disasters in in Asia and perhaps also in um, some uh, other places. So uh, because of the importance of weather uh, for uh, the food prices and for the energy prices, I think that this is uh, a wild card and certainly a, a, certainly an uncertainty. Uh, I also think that China's reopening is providing a, a big uncertainty, uh, particularly as uh, I think that right now uh, it is a consensus view that China is underreporting the severity of the spread of the coronavirus right now. And uh, particularly as uh, in the coming months, we are likely going to continue seeing the virus to spread in, in China, which is expected uh, also by the Chinese health officials. But then we are uh, likely going to see an increase in demand uh, in China and generally a, a, a strong demand uh, from Asia. So this could uh, lead to a, a higher inflation uh, elsewhere. So this would also be a risk in, in the context of price growth. Russia-Ukraine war is another risk. Uh, as we know, uh, Ukraine engaged in counteroffensive, uh, a successful counteroffensive last year, but there is still a lot of territory that uh, Ukraine uh, wants to regain. But at the same time, uh, we have had a, a significant mobilization in Russia, and it appears that, that there is a possibility of a further mobilization. Uh, so I think that there is a risk in this context. I don't think that the war will end anytime soon, but uh, and it provides uh, lots of risks, uh, especially in, in our region, in Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, so those are the factors that uh, I would be focused on in, in the coming months. Yes, I think there's some, uh, some very good points there. And I think undoubtedly, you know, news out of China and, and, and Ukraine in particular will undoubtedly remain at the forefront of investors' minds, certainly in the next few months. And I agree with you, Roman. I don't think that we're likely to see any any end to the, the, the war in Ukraine anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, for, for me, I, mean, I, I wanted to focus slightly more closer to home. I wanted to talk perhaps about the, the, the UK and the the risk potentially of a more prolonged period of stagflation um, than currently expected. Um, there is a bit of a consensus that inflation rates in Britain could print higher this year than in most other major nations. Estimates for headline inflation through the end of 2023 range from around 6 to 7% or even higher, um, which would, again, would want to be one of, be one of the most um, significant inflation overshoots uh, in the G10. Um, and that could potentially tip the UK into recession. Um, I still don't think it'd be bad uh, as economists anticipate, but there is a risk, as the Bank of England has recently warned, that we could see potentially a very prolonged downturn in UK ac economic activity and more prolonged period of stagflation uh, in the UK this year. If you couple that with the Bank of England's very muddled set of communications of late, um, which I expect to continue in the coming months, that could present a bit of a risk um, for sterling. So something that I'll certainly be watching out for um, in the next few months. Uh, we're going to end the podcast today as we usually do in these preview episodes by each picking a currency or perhaps even a region 
that we think will both over and underperform in 2023 with a short rationale as to why. Uh, perhaps I can start and straight off the bat, I'm going to go with my overperformer for this year. And I'm going to go for the Norwegian Kroner. Um, last year's sell-off in the Kroner has, has left it very cheap levels. The risk of recession in Norway, I think, is lower than among most of the major currents or most of the major economic areas. Um, and indeed, I think a recession will be avoided, partly due to a very resilient labour market. Norway is also a net exporter of energy, which should stand in good stead um, for this year. So that's going to be my um, overperformer for 2023. Uh, as far as my underperformer is concerned, I'm going for the Nigerian Naira. Um, I think further devaluations in the US dollar peg are on the way, in part due to the, the sharp drop in central bank foreign exchange reserves. And also there remains a massive gap between the official and black market Naira exchange rate. So to recap for me, overperformer, I'm going for the Norwegian Krona. Underperformer, I think will be the Nigerian Naira. Um, but over to you both. What, what do you think your, your one overperformer and one underperformer for this year? Okay, so my overperformer will be the Japanese yen. Uh, it looks like the the Japanese the, the Bank of Japan has finally uh, uh, taken started taking inflation seriously. For a very, for a long time, it was the outlier among all the major central banks of the world, uh, refusing to uh, tighten its extremely loose policy. It looks like that policy is way out, and as and when uh, they normalize, will they will see that. Uh, uh, the equilibrium rate, the real equilibrium rate of the Japanese yen, uh, the, the place where it's been trading against uh, other currencies for most of the last 20 years, is at least 20% higher than even than current levels, even at the recent rally. So that would be my outperformer. My underperformer is going to be the Turkish lira. I think that the country remains a complete mess. Uh, the inflation numbers are awful and increasingly unreliable. Um Everything, as we saw with uh, the, the minimum wage going up by 55% in one go, every single cost measured in Turkish lira is going up at rates of over 50% a year. There's no way to bring those those uh, sort of entrenched expectations of high inflation, uh, to, to bring those expectations out of the system without uh, a significant trauma of some sort. So I'm, I remain happy to short the lira. You went for an easy choice, Enrique. Yes, sorry. I agree that it's not terribly difficult, but hey, you know, you can you can enter positions in the Turkish lira just as well as the other currencies. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost one I went for as well, but I, uh, I resisted. Yes. Yeah, I actually have a, a similar instance when it comes to uh, the outperformers. So I actually singled out two currencies. One of those were, was the Japanese yen, but the other also in Asia is the Chinese yuan. I think that the reopening that we are seeing, although it is leading to a significant increase in cases and uh, appears disorderly to, to some extent, and uh, perhaps we even don't know how disorderly it is uh, because of the restrictions in, in reporting of that. Um, but uh, I think that in a few months after the Chinese Yuan, uh, after the Chinese uh, New Year, and after people get back to to work after that, after the second and the third wave of the virus uh, will pass, uh, which is expected uh, in uh, mid March, 
Mm, I think that uh, the economy uh, of China is likely going to rebound. Uh, the authorities seem to be determined to support the property sector. Uh, also, they are not uh, as negative on the private sector uh, as we have uh, seen just a few quarters uh, uh, ago. So I think that those are mm, positives. Uh, and um, if the economy in China gets back on track, I think that we are likely going to see a reversal in Chinese monetary policy. So for the past year, we have seen the policy easing, uh, quite a noticeable one. But uh, we, we may also see some easing in the near term, uh, considering that the next few months are going to be difficult in the context of the reopening and the uh, vi virus uh, ravaging through the country. But uh, afterwards, uh, I think that with the economy picking up, we are likely going to see a, a stabilization of the monetary policy stance and then uh, perhaps some tightening uh, just at the moment when the uh, global central banks uh, will uh, move in the opposite direction. So I think that this should be positive for the Chinese yuan. But I also think that this uh, a similar factor could be a positive for the Japanese yen. Uh, at a, a similar time frame. Uh, but when it comes to underperformer, uh, for me, uh, it would be the Swiss franc uh, because, well, one thing is that uh, I think we had uh, quite a few shocks in the uh, last few years and also in 2022 um, that have supported the Swiss franc, that have made the currency the second best performing in G10 after the US dollar in 2022. So I think it has become uh, relatively expensive. Uh, I think that the Swiss National Bank is getting close to the end of the uh, policy tightening. And if we are not going to have any significant risk of periods uh, or any, any crashes, any significant worries, then I think that the Swiss franc would be an easy option to, to sell. Um, so this would be my choice. <laughs> And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.